Good morning. It is Friday, September 30th, 2022. This is episode 32 of Maker That Money. I am Pooch of Repcord, and with me, my partner in crime, Mr. Andrew Mayhall of 3D Gloop. Andrew, how are you doing this fine Friday? I'm doing great. I'm uh, I'm feeling energized, ready to go. I'm excited for uh, that East Coast Rep Rep Festival coming up. So you sound got, energized. Like, five days until we leave, oh, so, so <laughs> pressure's on. <laughs> for those of you who don't know what Earth is, that's the East Coast Rep Rap Festival. Andrew just mentioned it is a uh, 3D printing mecca of sorts. Everybody shows up, shows off their latest and greatest 3D printing related stuff. Uh, Rep Rap is the term for what is it? is it? It's not a portmanteau. What do they call it? Where it's like rapid replication. It's kind of a backwards yeah. abbreviation for rapid replication. The idea yeah. that you make a 3D printer to print parts to make more 3D printers. That's a. <laughs> but anyway, maker this maker that money. This podcast is the show where we talk about turning your hobby into your jobby. So we are big fans of the maker entrepreneur movement. We like uh, to talk about our journey. Uh, along the way. Uh, I'm about six years into my small business venture with Repcord. We produce uh, filament, fine filament furniture and 3D printing accessories. And uh, Andrew is the king of the empire of sticky and makes oh, yeah. <laughs> adhesives in the name of, uh, that are designed for 3D printing, adhering 3D printed parts together. Yep. So that's what we do. Uh, greetings to everybody that's uh, with us on YouTube this morning in the chat. We record every Friday at 9 a.m. Well, just about every Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific. Uh, and uh, we we hope, if you're listening back after the fact, that you consider joining us live sometime. We do take questions and comments from the chat on a regular basis. Uh, we also have the Maker That Money hotline above us for those that are brave enough to call in and chat in person with us. We do love hearing your uh, sweet, sweet voices from time to time. If you're feeling brave and want to join us for that, feel free. Um, today on the pod, we are going to talk about product maturity. Andrew, oh tell tell the people what we're we're going to get into when we start on product maturity. What does that mean to you? Well, so it means uh, more so in general, it's part of the product development or product life cycle of you know things in general. There's uh, four really distinct stages of products, um, and product maturity is kind of one of the la latter stages, and that's where you see really big growth or just uh, I'm sorry, slightly after really big growth, but where you know uh, this becomes like house named stuff, if yeah. you will. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's a, obviously, you know, it's funny because as makers, we would probably say, well, is nothing's ever done, right? It's like we constantly want to like, oh, if I could just do this and do that. And we've talked about that in the past, right? The shiny object mm -hmm. syndrome, this desire to just kind of keep on iterating and stuff like that. But at some point, you mm -hmm. hope to reach some level of stability where that change tapers off. You reach a, kind of a critical mass of sales, and it becomes a nice little cash flow generator for you. That's that's the idea in my mind, right? Yep. We're investing all this time and energy into uh, R&D and product development in the hopes that mm -hmm. um, we, will, we will reach that, that point. And I think this might be a sticking point for some people that are new to the game where mm -hmm. you have that throw the spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks phenomenon where you're like, well, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try yep. this and try this. And you're never really capturing all of that, 
that IP and that that development time and that R and D money you've spent, right? And so this is where that balance between focus and going casting a wide net is such a, a tough thing. You know, we we have this inherent desire. I, I'm speaking in generalities, guys. I know mm-hmm. it's everybody, but it's like. You know, we are very distractible individuals as makers a lot of the time. We go out there yep. and we want to do all the things, make all the things, right? You know, make mm-hmm. all the things. Yeah. Yep. And uh, <laughs> that is very counterproductive to actually running a sustainable business a lot of the time, right? Yeah. Because you have too many irons Absolutely. in the fire. We're going through it now. I'm always going through it. I always say maker pooch <laughs> is constantly at odds with business pooch, right? Because the things that I want to do that are fun and interesting are not those that are, you know, necessarily always making us money. So, mm-hmm. you know, speak to the conflict on your end, right? Because I know you you go down rabbit oh. holes as well. I mean, we all do. That's normal, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we, we've we always had, you know, some struggles. Like, uh, you know, 3D Gloop, we, we like to say we're an R&D company, uh, you know, internally. Because a, a large portion of our revenue actually goes into new product development. Uh, and while we haven't been releasing new products we've constantly been tweaking our formulas. We've constantly been iterating. We've constantly been doing all of this work to make our products better and potentially release some new products. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, as you were mentioning that uh, shiny object syndrome, you know, we, we constantly get stuck in that. Uh, you know, it's like we, we start chasing down a thing. And so, yeah, we, we're constantly at odds internally here. Um, but, uh, you know, one thing that I think, you know, we've done really well up to this point is with our adhesive line we've we've chosen to kind of take a step back and say okay what can we do to start producing this in higher and higher volumes turning on essentially i mentioned this in the last episode uh that widget factory so we we have we have a a, a widget uh or we have a, in this case an adhesive and we need to figure out how do we scale this how do we reduce the cost for the manufacturing how do we increase its pro, uh, its production its uh, yields everything else and get it out the door as quickly as possible um and, and that's part right. of that product maturity stage right as we're as we're 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 hitting some sort of finalization um design lock and now we're we're going through the growth and then eventually hopefully establishing this is this is set in stone <laughs> mm. yeah so let's pin that for a sec that's product maturity mm-hmm. in a nutshell as we define it let us know yeah. in the chat if uh you understand it to mean something else or you have questions around or thoughts around what that is um but Last weekend, we were remiss for skipping our wins, and I don't want to skip our wins, okay? All right. There is a lot of uh, things you as a business will go through that Mm -hmm. just feel like a drag every week, right? We constantly say, how Mm -hmm. is it Friday again already and all this stuff? And (laughs) it is very, very important to, like I've said in the past, one, have a good accounting of what you've actually achieved because I think we're always Mm -hmm. very hard on ourselves. But two... Let's let's think, let's spend some time to reflect on the positive things that happen because whether you're a content creator or a maker, you know, hobbyist or a business owner, we mentally do not focus on that stuff enough. It is a big problem in my opinion. We think about it guys when you're looking if you're a streamer, you know, those negative comments that dig at you in the chat and all those things. Those things are taking up space rent-free in your head way more than, mm-hmm. like, you just being elated about all the, the good stuff. I'm not saying never, 
But I, I think that that's a problem uh, that we seem to deal with in this day and age. So let's talk wins for a second, can we, Andrew? I know you've got yes. you've got some good ones. You've been really happy sharing some oh. details about some stuff you've developed, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, big big wins for us. Um, we are hopefully going to tease and inter. Well, it's a little bit more of a tease, but introduce our retail packaging. It's not finalized, um, but we're going to introduce it at Earth. And, uh, you know, we've got a, our first, you know, kind of low volume production quality um, production run. So a big win for us was getting the thermoformed inserts ready to be installed into the retail packaging um, and, you know, out the door. And then along with that, like all of the prep that we've been putting in to get to Earth, it's finally all starting to come together. And I feel like we're finally starting to move that big old flywheel. <laughs> Listen, guys, so. I can't. Well, first of all, I can't tell you how unbelievably happy I am for you for this, because I you've been talking about this. Uh, <laughs> for years, like since I've known you and just to see you get this across yes. the finish line has been just a rewarding part of being your friend and just, you know, yeah. <laughs> a colleague in a, in a lot of this stuff. And uh, there was like no shortage of challenges that you have. I mean, it's a real understatement to, to, you know, if you heard the backstory around all the things, oh. all the hurdles, all the false starts and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And what I think is particularly rewarding about your story here is that ultimately you just decided I'm going to take this matters into my own hands because mm -hmm. we, you tried to have vendors help you with it and you started and then things in, you know, you're taking steps yep. like everything, two steps forward, one step back. And ultimately you just said, you know what? Grabbed onto this thing. I'm going to yep. make it myself because <laughs> it is a major blocker for getting yep. our products physically to market, right? This is, this mm -hmm. is your retail Literally. packaging. You have, yep brick and mortar stores that are mm -hmm. waiting for this product and you need this in mm -hmm. order to sell in brick and mortar right because it's that is it, correct it, it meets yes. the standards by which uh safety standards by which uh like dot transportation mm -hmm. can happen for adhesives and stuff like there are a lot of things a here, lot right right mm -hmm. yeah and so you you know in true maker fashion, grab that bull by the horns and said, I'm tired of waiting. I'm just going to, I was tired. Done. Yep. <laughs> and that's going to pay massive yeah. dividends for you. And I just, massive. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. And you know, again, like this is a, uh, you know, I, I keep telling myself, it's like, okay, this is, this is the first production run of it. Like there's still a lot of problems to figure out, but man, like it was rewarding. Literally it was on, I think it was on Tuesday this week. I crossed that finish line where I had just enough to make retail packaging available for earth. And so it was like, there we go. I've crossed the finish line. I I'm, I'm in the clear now. Every, every little bit that I make further from now on is just setting me up for, you know, you know, better and better success or better tuning of the things that we had to do to get there. So a massive one. I, I was, I was just, there was a smile on my face the entire day. <laughs> and guys, if you're so. coming to earth, this is a teaser, but he may be bringing some tech that he had to custom developed in order to get oh my this gosh. thing done. And it is impressive. It is impressive. So uh, it's, it's maybe, ask, cool. maybe ask him about that. You might get a behind the scenes tour of, of the tool uh, set that he had to, to use to get this thing done. Really cool stuff. Maybe yeah. we'll go in a little deeper after the fact, have a little presentation on a future episode or something like that because it's a it's a yeah. neat, neat piece of gear 
Uh, on my front, um, my wins, like often uh, they often do, started <laughs> with some massive losses. Um, oh. One of which being, uh, for those of you who follow along on Twitter, uh, plug uh, our Twitter handles are down below. We are both very prolific tweeters and that's a great way to interact with us if you want to i am at repcord r-e-p-k-o-r-d and uh andrew is at 3d gloop but i shared uh let's see this would have been what was it this month it feels like an eternity ago already yeah it was actually last i want to think it was last monday we had a massive fire inside Mm -hmm. one of our laser cutters and it brought that machine down for a lot longer than i had hoped um Mostly because when I brought it back online, I needed it to be better, safer, stronger, faster, mm-hmm. stronger, faster. You know, cue the uh, cue the music for that. <laughs> but um, uh, cue the Daft Punk. Uh, but it was it was a setback. It was a moment where I just I was just like, oh, you know, you where you just you're questioning everything. You know, <laughs> like yes. we're doing great. I didn't. I don't have the time to be uh, basically rebuilding a laser cutter right now, uh, but we don't have any other choice because we've got orders backlogged. Uh, we're trying to get stuff done for Earth, you know, and trade sh- future trade shows and stuff like that. And that technical debt was coming home mm-hmm. to roost in a big way. I mean, honestly, the Ugh. the the fire was as a result of us probably shortcutting some stuff. Some of it we didn't know. You know, some of it was just like, well, you know, it's good enough. But we were our safety systems were relying maybe a little bit too heavily on just physical monitoring Mm. and proximity. The uh, challenge with laser cutting is, though, you cannot, guys, leave those things unattended the way that I think we grow. a cut. And and when I say that, I mean, it only takes a few seconds for things to be burning for a lot of damage to happen. So we'd burned out the inside of this. I mean, the entire inside, thankfully this was an enclosed frame laser cutter and the whole thing just looked like a bombed out car or whatever, like just soot all over everything melted a bunch of the wiring and the, uh, airlines that, you know, add air assist to the cut and all that stuff. Like there was just molten, uh, whatever the corium equivalent of plastics is in the tray where it's just a hodgepodge of melted plastics and sawdust, you know, in the, the oh, bin, just gross, nasty that stuff. Terrible. It was really bad. It stunk. Uh, yeah. and, and I was just like, Oh my gosh. But, um, from that, like a Phoenix out of the ashes, the literal ashes, <laughs> Uh, we've developed uh, some new air scrubbing systems, some new filtration, some new part catching, some new cutting stuff, some new safety standards and um, alarm systems. Um, a lot, like there's, and there's still probably twenty or thirty different like mods that I've got that are just taking our operation to the next level. So ultimately, awesome. we will be in a much much better place. But it was an inflection point for me as like we often encounter where you, 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 I was, I was, I was chatting with somebody earlier on and it seems like as a maker entrepreneur, you're constantly skirting the lines between doubling down and giving up entirely. <laughs> There's like not really a lot of in between, right? It's like, I need to reinvest yep. and go bigger or go yep. home, right? That's the go bigger, yep. go home aspect. But you know, we, we do exist in the middle and stuff. So, so it was like, okay, well, look, if we're going to, leverage a lot of that time and energy spent in getting this set up the way that we need to we need to keep Mm -hmm. pushing 
and we are in a better place. I'm really happy with the proof of concept for our new bed support system. Just some small things in talking to my ops director. He had a great idea about just reorigining, like redo the firmware so the origin for the part is better aligned over the deeper part of the catch bin. Because part of the problem is the fire happened because it ignited some bits in the waste bin where uh, the, the catch bin is tapered, and so the parts were closer to where the laser is more intense, ignited some mm-hmm. um, some acrylic that was in the tray, and then kind of propagated through the ventilation system, just kind of sucked in, and then we had a lot of bits down line oh. that we didn't know, basically melted the entire you know vinyl tubing setup that but was part of the fume extracting. It, it's, a, it's a big oh. thing. It's a big thing. Yeah. But the, the, end, the end of it, we, we ended up in a better place, and um, you know, I'm I'm in a much better well, place awesome. Susan, about it. I'm way, way that's further awesome. behind and we're not going to be able to do as much stuff and have as much stuff for the trade show because oh, we put that yeah. off. But you know what? I don't care. At this point, a lot of the value of those things is getting out there, seeing all you beautiful people yep. interacting. Um, and uh, we just do the best we can. Keep marching forward. So that's awesome. Good batch of wins for the week i'm sorry for the long long story in that regard um but watch no that's great i mean it's good to share these things because i I feel like so many times i get stuck in you know like oh all of these problems that i'm having but you know hearing other people and how they overcame those problems i I think it's inspiring too so yeah yeah so in in another double down fashion we ended up picking up another laser so it's like we're we're, oh man we're basically positioning (laughs) ourselves the same way we do with belt printing and stuff like that and like you it's like we really in order to do what we do we've had Mm -hmm. to refine our tool set to meet what we Mm -hmm. need because at industrial standards when we talk about industrial machines i know that 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 term gets thrown around all the time when i think of Mm -hmm. industrial i think heavily customized honestly because sure it is so particular to what it is that you are making that to be able mm-hmm. to buy something off the shelf you can buy something that'll probably get you 80 percent of the way there which i would say our standard yeah. 3d printers and laser cutters and stuff do but it's mm-hmm. that last 20 percent that really can get you to mm-hmm. maximize your efficiency and profitability and when you're talking about labor and time that's an important sure, yeah. that's an important 20% to to chip away at, you know. I don't think mm-hmm. you're ever going to get 100% of the way there because there's always little things. Yeah. But um, you know, and there's little lessons along the way. I always say we're lucky that we have these little reminders that as much as it sucks at the time are really not that big of a deal like thankfully we didn't set fire to the entire mm-hmm. shop. Like it can always be worse, right? Like nobody sure. got hurt, you know. Yep. Okay, good reminder. We can't be shortcutting these things. How do we improve? How do we get to a better place? So yeah, trying to have that mindset, trying to appreciate that this this is just the universe giving you a little heads up <laughs> that uh, yep. technical debt is gonna gonna come and bite you if you put yep. off doing the things that you need to do, guys. If you don't know what technical debt is, we did an episode on it a couple back. Look it up in the back catalog. Good episode. Yeah. Great thing to be aware of as a uh, maker business owner. Any and all, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Yeah. Um, announcements. Uh, I'm going to pause for a quick <laughs> second and say uh, call to action. Uh, if you haven't already, please smash that like button. Consider subscribing <laughs> if this is content that you appreciate. Go out and tell a friend. Bring a friend next time if you'd like. If you think this is good stuff, tweet about us if you can. That's always helpful. Uh, awesome. We we love seeing your shining faces in, in the chat and hearing your voices on the hotline. 
So that's great. Uh, I do want to say housekeeping for next week. I'll announce it now and I'll announce it at the end as well. Uh, we're going to be at Earth, so our regular time, we're not going to be on Friday. We're going to be on Sunday recording live from Earth. I probably won't have it posted, though, until mid-next week, <laughs> like being mm-hmm. realistic and when I get home and all that stuff. But uh, one of our favorite guests on the pod, Clayton from, uh, you may know him as Uncle Jesse for real, the king of resin. He's a massive hustler himself. Uh, every time I chat with him, he's got something new. He's doing some print farming. Oh, he's, he's, you yeah. know, he's got his hands. Very <laughs> talented guy. Uh, he's going to be joining us live at Earth, and we're going to record from the Maker Stage. So that's going to be fun. We're doing that on Sunday. Uh, yep. If you're going to be at Earth, uh, be part of the live studio audience. Uh, join yes. us for that. That'll be fun. <laughs> and uh, you have an opportunity to ask questions or share comments and stuff uh, from there. So that'll be that'll be great. We look forward to that. Okay, I know that's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Are you ready? Are you ready for some more meat and potatoes and talking about product Let's and product do this. maturity? And Let's what these dig people in. Give the people what they came for. You know. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, David. Hey, good to see you, David Tobin, in the chat. Producer for a three D maker. Uh, excuse me, three D printing nerd. You'd think I'd know that by now. <laughs> uh good to see you no we're not gonna go live live uh just because i don't want to bring all the gear for that but well technically earth will be live streaming so if you just watch in the earth feed you could watch us record Mm -hmm. live i don't know what the quality of the audio and all that stuff will be but that is an option if you do want to tune in live Mm -hmm. for any of the sessions and i've seen a sneak peek of the program it's gonna be awesome like Mm -hmm. a lot of really really amazing people talking about a lot of really amazing stuff uh, I, I seriously, I saw it and I was just like, man, I wish I didn't have to be in my booth. Cause I want to go look at that. So I plan to watch back <laughs> that stuff. And it's awesome that they're live streaming the whole thing this year. So, uh, something, something to look, look forward to. So we're kind of counting, we're counting on them for that. Uh, Joseph Prusa in the house. Good to see you, my friend. Uh, that's awesome. uh don't usually get to see you on here, but that's, <laughs> that's awesome. And I look forward to giving you a big hug and a high five and all that stuff, uh, uh next week. And at some point we got to get you on here, my friend, because you might know a thing or two about running a business. Okay. Uh, maybe. I, I think maybe. this guy <laughs> has kind of been down this road. I mean, you talk about maker entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. You know, of, of all yeah. entrepreneurs that this guy has done, he and his brother uh, are yeah. just awesome dudes, amazing guys. Uh, and, uh, you know, I love a good origin story. So maybe if we're lucky down the road <laughs> at some point, we can hear about those pain points as, you know, you're taking it from one and two to five to 10 to 20 employees awesome. and stuff like that. Yeah. He's just got such a great story. I've been really lucky to have him as a friend and, and uh, have uh, get to hear about some of that that stuff very inspirational to me i'll tell you that and i'm not just mm-hmm. not just kissing Absolutely. butt here <laughs> same here <laughs> anyway um let's talk about product maturity yeah let's talk let's about do it because you know we we alluded to the top uh i think that's mm-hmm. the goal right and mm-hmm. um i think it's a goal it is a goal it's 100 it's a, a great goal, goal. <laughs> it's a great goal and and like i said the reason that you really want to try to focus on that is because like we always say cash is king like you need yep. that cash flow to fund your mm-hmm. operation especially as a bootstrap right like yep. you are reliant on that is the lifeblood of your business 
okay? Mm-hmm. And if you are not getting to a level where you are efficiently keeping that cash coming in the door, you don't have you're mm-hmm. dead in the water. You don't have money to buy, you know, buy new gear, pay employees, yep. get new inventory, get new uh, you know, parts you need and all that stuff, save for a rainy day, get the bigger facility. Mm-hmm. Mission critical stuff, right? Yep. But we were up against the problem that we always are as makers that scaling mm-hmm. to mass production is not sexy to us a lot of the time. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so how do you combat that? Like, how do you reward yourself for that success to get to that next level? Right. To yeah. force yourself to make sure that you're producing and you're doing a good job, you know, iterating, you're going to have your setbacks and all that stuff, but focus and drive. Right. So, mm-hmm. When yep. you're starting, Andrew, and there's I, there's different camps on this. There's no right way, mm-hmm. but oh, there's you know, not. We exactly. hear the notion: do one thing and do it well. What do you think of that? Uh, so that's what I love, and that's that's really the methodology that I think we subscribe to here at Kloop. Is you know we we've had potential of oh hey we can go and do this or we can go and do that, but what we've really focused in on was just doing a few products and doing them as best as we possibly could, and keep iterating on that formula, iterating on you know just kind of that product in general to the, get it to a point where we could say okay yes we finalized our widget now let's start producing a ton of it. And how can we keep producing more and more of it and reducing that cost and and scaling effectively? Um, But I think it might be helpful to actually understand for for many people, the product life cycle, uh, you know, of your, you know, widget, whatever it might be. Absolutely. Um, You can kind of go and look this up on the internet, but generally speaking, uh, you know, product lifestyle, you have your your introduction or introductory phase. And then you'll have your growth phase and eventually your maturity and then a decline phase. In the decline phase, there's another little subsection where you can have kind of a reintroduction or a regrowth or a revival, an extension, if you will, of its life cycle. Okay. Uh, but generally speaking, there, you know, no product is going to have, you know, a, an indefinite life cycle. You're well, let me introduce something. Let me Go pause. Ahead. Let me pause you there for just a sec. The very, very good mm-hmm. point, right? That life cycle is the traditional life cycle. However, mm-hmm. I would ask you this. There are absolutely pr- products that are trend-based and then those that are more what we would consider evergreen. Is there sure. is there a product out there that will always be evergreen? And is that okay? Sure. Right? Like yeah. think about like the, there's probably some commodity products that have been the same way for the past 50 years. Mhm. I don't know yeah. how typical that is and especially in the space that we are, we're not usually talking about that stuff, right? Yeah. Which is why when you're we, talking like, about technology. Yeah. You're not really going to have an evergreen product cycle, uh, you know, product probably, you know, not to say that it can't happen. I think that's the kind of the, the holy grail, right? Like we want to have products that are evergreen. That's a cash because cow. Now we don't have yeah. to, yeah, yeah, we don't have to keep spending money on, you know, like marketing and advertising because people know it's kind of like that genericized trademark, if you will. Uh, think like Kleenex or Band-Aid. Right. Uh, you know, these, these things are like, you, you know, yeah, you know what they are. <laughs> and, and it's not like they have to do a bunch of advertising to get there. Um, you know, so, right. but, but yeah, so, so ultimately there are going to be products like commodity products that are going to be kind of evergreen where once you've done it and you've established that brand, you've established that dominance, you know, you just have to keep up that, that momentum, but yeah. it's not nearly as intensive. Right. Um, uh, 
for technology, really what you're doing is, is you're constantly, you're constantly teetering on the edge of that introduction and growth phase, right. but you're really driving home, you know, like, oh, hey, this is better than all of the else. It's the next generation. And, you know, you're kind of playing into, you know, that, that just that constant progressive, you know, ness of, of technology in itself. Um, right. So you know, the what's first, the next and best. So the first step is know your product, define mm-hmm. your product, right? So have an understanding mm-hmm. of what life cycle we're talking about. As Andrew said, mm-hmm. if you're in tech, you're irrelevant like three months, you know, that, like that, that <laughs> cycle may be very, very fast, right? And so mm-hmm. when you're planning out what you want to do, be mindful of what that product life cycle is. Are you on, are you riding a trend? If your product mm-hmm. is based on I don't know, fidget spinners or whatever, something that yep. is like, right? <laughs> exactly. There, there's great opportunity, but you better get while the getting is good and then pivot. Right. Yep. And yep, that's a exactly. totally valid uh, strategy, mm-hmm. right? Especially as makers. And that, that can be a very good strategy. We have so many tool sets now that allow us to pivot that way mm-hmm. uh, so that we can ride the wave while it's there. And then when it you know ramps down, go to do something else. Totally mm-hmm. good strategy. Just be aware of it and know, mm-hmm. and then try to set some indicators or some, you know, bumpers for yourself along the way. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that we've talked about a bunch here on this podcast is, is really the, the MVP, right. And again, maker entrepreneurs taking this next step into becoming, you know, potential, you know, business owners, right. Uh, you know, um, basically we entrepreneurs have essentially the most to lose, uh, we are bringing new products in in an inductory stage. Uh, yep. They might not be tested. We might not know if the market even wants this product. Uh, and so we're putting all of this energy in trying to get it, you know, going. And that's why we talk about MB- MVP, MVP right. you know, what's the, you know, what's the least amount that we can test and then get, you know, some traction get and data. get into that, that yeah. actual introductory phase. And then, <laughs> From there, we transition into the growth phase. So now we know that, hey, there's a market. People are buying our products. We're starting to scale a little bit. We're trying to say, okay, instead of producing one, two, maybe it's 10 to 20, maybe it's 100, maybe it's 1,000. Most of these numbers are relatively small, uh, but you're growing. And then you reach that maturity. And so maturity is where people know who you are in your market or your, your industry. Um, you know, they're like, Oh, Hey, you know, I know what gloop is, or I know what rep court is. Uh, you might not be perfectly mature at that. It's a, you know, not a house name to everyone, right. but what you, what you've seen is, is that the, the industry knows who you are. Uh, you, you have a presence, you have a brand, you have established product, and now it's taking and, uh, you know, growing this into essentially that bigger, you know, beast, if you will, of, okay, these are the widgets that we're producing. How do we produce them efficiently? How do we produce them effectively? Uh, And, you know, one could argue that that's still kind of in the growth phase, Mm. Uh, but, you know, it's kind of, these lines aren't perfectly drawn. There's no, oh, I'm now from growth into maturity. It's kind of a gray area where you just kind of naturally slip into. Yeah. Um, And you're, you're now, you know, kind of mature product, if you will. (laughs) Yeah. So I want to I want to pull in a comment that we got on the chat from Mahal. Uh, he says, "Sure, you know he's ref- he's referring to basically um, talking about getting to maturity, uh, defeating the purpose of three D printing as a manufacturing tool." Uh, and he says, "Unless the goal is to stop iterating, 
I, I see what you're saying there, but I don't necessarily yeah. agree, especially as that tech evolves. That part of the mm -hmm. reason we've invested heavily in like our belt printing, for example, is because I believe we can create a larger gap before we have to go to the next thing to scale. Exactly. So mm -hmm. it just depends on what you're trying to do. My advice around this would be not to focus on your tool set as much as like the like identify where you are because I will say at mm -hmm. at a certain degree of scale you may ne never achieve the the level of scale for a given product where you even have to worry about that 3D mm -hmm. printing, CNC, laser cutting, a lot of this stuff allows us to, like I said, pivot quickly, to get it to market quickly, to get that valuable sales data, to mm -hmm. understand if it is viable, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> and then you can go from there. It doesn't mean that you have to do that all the way up to 100,000 units, 200,000 units, all that stuff. Yeah. At some point, it, you're going to need to potentially bridge that gap, but that's one of the good problems to have, as we say. When you get to that level I, of I would like to... I, I would like to make the argument that we just had here a gentleman in the in the chat who's taken a product to maturity, who's leveraged 3D printing and still continues to level leverage 3D printing. Sure. Uh, you know, to produce products that are, I would consider quite literally very mature. There's, <laughs> you know, little iteration here or there, but- Is his name again, Joe? <laughs> maybe that rings a bell, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. but 3d yeah. printing is, is a tool and it doesn't mean that you can't leverage it to continue manufacturing and hit a mature product using that Correct. manufacturing method. I, I think it, it, in many cases, it, it accelerates that process. So it can, it, you know, it, yeah. And I would, I would argue too, that the cost of taking a node-based approach by that, like scaling a print farm. 3D mm -hmm. printers are so cheap as a mm -hmm. tool set as compared to yes. industrial level injection molding machines. Like your capital mm -hmm. expenditure to actually manufacture at large volume is so massive that it's like mm -hmm. Prusa has proven out and continues to prove out that print farming is a viable means of mass production. It might not yep. be the best, and as if you've if you've watched their products over the years, like we have, you'll notice they're starting to use more injection molded parts. But they're smart about it. They mm -hmm. look and see what's the lowest hanging fruit for things that aren't likely to change. Where we can farm that out, where we can free up capacity mm -hmm. and make sure that we're leveraging the printers for the best parts, right? But yep. again, don't get hung up on your tool. Okay, mm -hmm. if you're looking at your product, I'm sure Joe's got a million ideas about how he wants to get to even the next level. Uh, mm -hmm. And and they're probably doing a lot of stuff that we're not even aware of right now. I know they are for a fact. They have a very robust R&D facility that are working on really, really cool stuff. Uh, and mm -hmm. and so, you know, the problems that, that somebody that far in is, is a company like Prusa has is just feels like light years away from where we are as, as startups, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, it can happen fast, you know, and, and, uh, there is a method to the madness guys. So don't, mm -hmm. don't get hung up on your tool set though. I think that's a good, good piece. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's our, our response uh, to that. Mm -hmm. So, um, okay. So we've talked about the life cycle. Okay. Yeah. So like we said, minimum viable product, that's gets it out to market, get the thing listed on a website. Don't focus on, mm -hmm. you know, all these things that you don't need, like, you know, baseline, like what's the minimum amount of, you know, pictures, video, you know, the, the barrier mm -hmm. to entry is just smaller than ever before yes. to, to get a product out there. Mm -hmm. I I've said on Twitter in the past, and I will, I will stand by this, that 
sales data is the best focus group there ever is. I would so, never it's so spend <laughs> money on a focus group. I, those things seem so no. ridiculous to me. And I'm not saying that there's not a place for certain or a survey or, or surveys yeah. <laughs> or whatever, because at the end of the day, you can survey all you want. You can ask people all you want, but there is a mm-hmm. huge difference between somebody saying, Oh yeah, that sounds great. And then cracking open their wallet and shelling out their hard earned guys. Stop with the surveys. Stop focusing on that. You can ask a question if you're trying to think about stuff and iterate. Like, but Mm -hmm. that's basically the the end of these. I'm and I'm going to get people arguing with me. I'm sure. But (laughs) at the end of the day, sales data is the gold standard by which you should be validating your ideas, your products with. Right? There is no replacement for that. Yeah, it's a good idea. People will buy it. Yeah. Right. It's it's really that simple. That's that's what it comes down to. Right. I, I mean, you could have, you know, other issues like, again, where as we're talking about this, this product market maturity, if you will, is is an awareness issue. Um, and you like to say, you know, you don't have a marketing issue. You have, a, you know, an awareness issue. Um, you know, it comes down to as you develop your product, you reach that level of maturity where, you know, people know who you are. And you are now, again, really relying on the machine that you've put all of this effort into building, just running and tuning and optimizing. Right. Uh, and this is also one of those areas where most, like, let's say startups, and I'll use startups in quotes, uh, because there's no real defined defined area of which, a, you know, a startup becomes a company or, you know, a company is no longer a startup. Um, but this is where you'll see acquisitions happen. Mm. is in this maturity phase uh usually just past the growth or sometimes in mid-maturity because it's a well-oiled machine that now becomes an optimization problem for a larger organization that has the tools and the ability to just reduce you know manufacturing costs or you know increase the productivity or increase its distribution right you know all you know all sorts of things um but this is where uh, ideally as entrepreneurs we want to hit is that market maturity or that that product maturity right. because that means that we've kind of crossed that finish line <laughs> yeah yeah you know so uh i think you took a good stab at answering chris uh practical mm-hmm. printing's question in the chat what what defines this is a good question though if you're, if you're listening back what it defines is. when a manufacturer transitions from startup to an established company is it brand recognition is it product maturity is it product sales it's a little bit of all of those things i would say absolutely right? and what what mm-hmm. defines your maturity level as a company is not necessarily what defines a product maturity all the time mm-hmm. now when you're when you're just getting started and you're known as one part like a lot of people to a lot of people repbox is repcord and repcord is repbox because that is like our flagship product mm-hmm. that is what kind of what we're known for but as we develop more maturity and stuff like that we're trying to position ourselves and to go beyond the repbox we've talked about not wanting to have all our eggs in one basket and um you know so so mm-hmm. i don't i like I, I would echo what you say i don't think that there's any clear delineation I think that there's mm-hmm. certainly uh, defining um, metrics that say something like a venture capital company would use to like define where you are. Like, and a lot of that's based on revenue and, mm-hmm. and company size and growth and assets under management and all that stuff, right? So, yeah. So there, there, there certainly is that. I feel like we still very much, very, very much operate like a startup. We're very lean. We're very, uh, you know, mm-hmm. only a few people. Um, exactly. You know, I, I don't know. Where, how would you – it's it's a bit of a digression, but I'd be curious to know, like, how do you define – what are defining characteristics to a startup? Can Because a, a startup can obviously be one person in their home office, mm-hmm. 
but mm-hmm. that is a completely yeah. different world than like somebody that's got, you know, a, a, mm-hmm. a, a small investment and a, an actual place and an so. How would you categorize so, business maturity like that? Yeah, so I I am of the mindset that any size company can operate as a startup. A startup isn't a phase in a company's life. It's a mentality, a methodology, mm. and a process that of which a company follows. Mm. Um, and you can be making hundreds of millions of dollars a year, you know, heck, even billions of dollars a year, and still operate like a startup, still be very lean, very agile, and, you know, it just always testing, always iterating, always trying to get to that next best thing, if you will. And I, I think that startups, again, are, are scrappy and they're nimble. And, you know, that's what comes to mind when when I think of a startup. And then, you know, more prone to taking risks and, and placing some bets. Because think about it, as an entrepreneur, you're taking one of the biggest risks of your, your life, potentially. You're moving away from your job and you're trying to say, I'm going to go forge my own path. I'm going to go forge my own company. I'm going to try try and make my own way. And you have to be scrappy. You have to be creative. You have to, you know, be driven in order to be successful. And I really think that this is a methodology that defines what a startup is, Mm. not a, not a line in the sand of, uh, oh, a dollar value or whatever, you know? So that that's my opinion. I think that's a good point. I I, I certainly think though at some point, you know, if you're, you're going to get ten years, you can be lean and agile and all that stuff, sure. and still be f- way mm-hmm. further down the road, right? At some point, you're not going to get classified mm-hmm. as what most people would. But I, I I think your point is well taken that mm-hmm. it's a mentality piece, right? Like we mm-hmm. want to operate close. Uh, to me, I think about maybe what the organizational structure looks like, and it's like mm-hmm. how how close is the the founder owner to where the rubber meets the road a lot of the time, mm-hmm. right? Yes, and moving mm-hmm. away because as a as an owner, a founder owner operator, we we hopefully the goal becomes moving away from operator and more toward owner as you get mature mm-hmm. right because to, to yep. maintain the balance and sanity that you need mm-hmm. you can't be in the trenches in the same way right mm-hmm. so yep. I, I think there's a there's a flatten uh, flatness sure. to the organizational structure to me that helps define startup as well sure i don't know um a couple of interesting points I wanted to touch on. Hack Monkey mentions he loves he loves the survey. He's being sarcastic here. Loves the surveys. Which is better, <laughs> A or B, with no option of C when they both suck? Uh, if the mm-hmm. right question is asked, the whole thing can be invalid, right? If you're giving people yep. binary choices, you're getting probably possibly bad data because you're not giving people the ability to choose what ultimately might be the best choice, right? Because you either haven't thought of it or, you know, you're, Mm -hmm. you're, you're too focused on the minutia. Uh, It just depends Mm -hmm. on what your, what your goals are. It reminds me of um, what's been in the zeitgeist a lot lately with the, the uh, fallacy of the survivorship bias. Are you familiar with that? I don't so, think so. So the survivorship bias is a really fascinating study. You guys should Google this because it's uh, you, you'll see it. A lot of times we've seen it memified in that airplane with a bunch of little uh, mm, holes yes. in it where mm-hmm. basically in World War II they were trying to get data about which you know where to put armor on airplanes based on which airplanes were coming back with holes and where on the airplane the holes were. So the 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 whole point of that was 
there if the plane's coming back and it's got holes in it, that means that's actually the non-critical part because if it's hit, yes. you know, so so your your mind is thinking like, okay, plane comes back with holes all over the, you know, wings, the tail, you know, the middle fuselage. <clears throat> mm-hmm. That's where the bullets are going, so we should put more armor there. But it's mm-hmm. backwards, right? Because when there's no bullets by where the cockpit is and all that stuff, the plane's not coming back at all, right? And mm-hmm. so that's yeah, that's the whole notion of like, are you even asking the right question? Um, mm-hmm. And it's really, really such a good little lesson when you're when you're getting started and stuff like that. That our our conception of how we should be asking questions and stuff are oftentimes distorted by you know the realities of it. I don't know. Go look it up. I love that. Sure. I love that meme. Yeah. You know, we we we've seen that a lot these days. Uh the other thing uh, Mahal Tech uh mentions he has a quick question. Uh last week he got his trademark approved. Congrats on that. That's a process. Awesome. We've still got one in in process and it's been almost a year now. Um <laughs> have you ever transitioned to a new name? He's trying to figure out how and when to rebrand. Man, we could mm. do an entire Yes. Bit on this. <laughs> um, yep. Well, first of all, have you ever gone through an actual rebrand? I know you've had multiple businesses, and uh, as, as we're doing I. it right now. Okay. It's not a big rebrand, but we're doing okay. it right now. I mean, you might see, like, if you go to our website, uh, you know, you might see some new imagery or new, you know, new things. Um, but what we are doing is we're rolling it out very slow, and our, our rebrand is not very big. <laughs> you know, if essentially it's dropping the 3D in front of Gloop. <laughs> You're just but Gloop. it's yeah, it's it's a the adhesive slow... formerly known as 3D Gloop is now just yeah, Gloop, and then yeah. eventually you'll transcend yeah. to just being a symbol. That's the way these yeah. things evolve. We know this yeah, from, from the lessons of Prince. Uh, you know, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, it's. I wouldn't say there's any right way to do it, and we're probably doing it totally wrong. Um, you know, but uh, you know, we 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 spent a lot of time like oh hey what would be the best way to do this like should we hire a marketing company to help us should we you know do publication should we do um you know like a a big splash and party like it it really just comes down to whatever you feel comfortable with um you know so yeah it it, i don't know i mean i i you know, I wish I had an answer, but you know, my, we're just kind of figuring it out ourselves. <laughs> my question, I mean, I, I think the answer, like every answer just comes back to, it depends. What is the, my question back to you would be, what is the purpose of the rebrand? Mm-hmm. Why did you feel the need to rebrand in the first place? Uh, mm-hmm. Because without kind of understanding that it's hard to say, you know, what, what the strategy might need to be. Um you know, and how how dramatic of a rebrand is it? Like you're changing your name entirely, and and how how known yeah. is the brand? I mean, like a lot of these things. Like if if Coca Cola was all of a sudden to just rebrand and decide to call itself, you know, Bubble Soda, uh, <laughs> it you know, like that that's obviously got way different implications than just yep. kind of changing the font of the the logo and the color scheme and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah. But I I think that. The, the reason we see those things happen is it, be, it it gives an opportunity to tell a new story, to try to modernize, to try to reach audiences that you might not have reached uh, before. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what was well, the reasoning behind your rebrand? Well, and this is also a, also a perfect segue into what happens after you've reached maturity. Let's say, for instance, you have a product that's reached maturity. 
there are there are companies out there that will do some rebranding of that product or they will change things or add new features to extend its life cycle and reintroduce it to the market uh, without having to do all of the expensive R&D. So, you know, in some cases, I, I think it's actually a really cool tie in. Um. <laughs> so. It, absolutely. I mean, it's a great question. We appreciate it. Uh, Michal, I'm sorry I was pronouncing his his name wrong. Uh, but uh, thank you for for submitting that. I think um, it's it, it's it's always going to be an interesting challenge, but hopefully you come to a, to a new place and I'm glad you, you got your trademark out there. I think there's a lot of little, you know, housekeeping things mm -hmm. that adds a lot of legitimacy to a brand and all that stuff, too. So that's, you know, that's an exciting next step. Okay, so we've we've talked about kind of startup phase, and we've talked mm -hmm. about okay. So what was next in the uh, in the path yeah. to maturity? Yeah, yeah. So after maturity, naturally comes decline, and no one wants to hit that decline because now it's like, well, you've invested all of this, you know, energy into producing this widget, and you've been selling it, and you've been, you know, reaping that reward, but now you're starting to see sales decline. Um, you know, people aren't as interested. You've hit market market saturation. There's no new questioning, customers. Questioning your purpose. Yeah. 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 So, so you know, that's the general decline. Now, you know, for for tech things, you know, there's always new tech coming out. So, uh, you know, the decline maybe is is you know the tech is now outdated, so no one wants to buy you know an old camera, you know, or a camera that doesn't have you know sure. the best you know sensor on the it. The latest anymore. greatest. Right, um right. exactly exactly so you know you you want to transition you want to stay in you know that market maturity without getting into that you know decline and so you can revisit the product you can add new features you can update it uh you know as i mentioned earlier uh you know potentially rebranding and coming out as a is a new brand revitalizes the product or yes. revitalizes its market maturity and you're allowed to extend it a little bit mm -hmm. um you know, now, now there's a couple different things. Again, you know, if you're looking at, uh, at, at, at a tech thing, at some point, technology is going to get old and it's not going to work as well. It's not going to connect with the things that you need to. Right. And so, again, this is kind of the end of the product life cycle. It, you can keep kicking that can down the road, but at some point, new tech is always going to overcome the old tech. People aren't going to so, buy the Bluetooth headsets that are on Bluetooth three when we're up to Bluetooth five or six mm -hmm. or whatever it is now. Right? Yeah. So it's like that's yeah. a that's a major well, you know threat but, to tech based product. Like, and you have to have yeah. baked in the decline, mm -hmm. right? And understanding yeah. what the key markers are of the decline. So my question well, for you, sorry, real mm -hmm. quick, would be go ahead, go ahead, identifying, and I and I think that this is this is a this is a tricky one. I'll, I'll mm -hmm. caveat, but identifying the difference between a dip and a, mm -hmm. and a true decline, right? How do I know if sure. I'm on the downslope of something that can recover? So, so sure. we talked about product where it's clearly like there will be a tailing off mm -hmm. where we meet from maturity. Yep. But there, there are certainly products where it's like, you know, there's seasonal demand and you you don't, and when you're new, you don't have enough data to understand the, the life cycle or the, the demand cycle of your product, right? Yep. And so you don't want to misconstrue a, like what might be a temporary dip in demand with mm -hmm. an overall decline. Sure. Sure. And you know, that can be really hard, especially for, you know, a, um, you know, a, an entrepreneur or, you know, even a new business, but um, you know, let's, let's turn back essentially to that product life cycle. 
in the growth phase, uh, you know, of your product, you're going to be seeing a growing demand and an increase in, you know, its popularity or, you know, people are, are adopting it, you know, wanting it. Mm-hmm. You might also start to see the first kind of direct copy or a competitor enter the marketplace. This is this is an indication where you haven't actually reached maturity yet. And so it's really about looking at the signs or the signals that the market is giving you. So while, you know, you might have a slow dip, like, or in the summer months, like for us, you know, we have a slow dip, uh, you know, where people aren't printing as much or they're not using our products as much. And it's like, okay, well, have we reached saturation or, you know, are people just not interested? But what you'll see is, is that other people are saying, oh, hey, you know, like, look at this product or look at this. And you'll see other companies either coming in or trying to copy or trying to do similar things. Right. And that tells you that the market is still ripe and you're still in that growth phase. Competitive um, analysis. Exactly. Also and be so its own even in podcast. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, you can even be in the, <laughs> in the maturity phase where you'll start seeing other products that are doing similar things. Maybe it's about price because once you've hit maturity, it really largely becomes about price. Like how can we produce these widgets for cheaper? And where, you know, decisions are made from the customers like, Oh, is this worth my ten dollars or is it worth you know my twenty dollars like for the name brand can i get a can i get a copy of it for slightly cheaper uh and so that's really where i think if you turn and look and see are there copies being made and if so how how prevalent they are how many new copies are coming out i think will definitely tell you okay you still have plenty of room to grow and that's where more marketing, more awareness, more, you know, just, uh, you know, doubling down on what you have is beneficial Absolutely. because maybe you're not doing something else right. So I always, I always say there's a, there's, there's two major indicators that, that we look at as, um, uh, as entrepreneurs that we envision to be threats oftentimes that, mm-hmm. that are actually great indicators. And one is when your first major competitor starts to mm-hmm. pop up and the other is the first time you're sued probably so yep. <laughs> you know you, you it know when there's money to be made there's yep. going to be competition and you need to be yes. prepared for that fact and if there is no competition that should be an interesting indicator it's not to say that novel ideas don't exist right like mm-hmm. we there's still i don't buy that everything significant everything worth inventing mm-hmm. has been invented bs at all no. that's been proven mm-hmm. so wrong for so long right <laughs> that is that that happens okay mm-hmm. but you can't cloud you can't cloud it with thinking you're that unique that nobody else has thought of it and stuff like that there may well be you know when you're first mm-hmm. getting started when you're first doing a business plan if you don't write out a business plan one of the first things you should be doing is doing some research to understand does this even exist already because there's yep. probably something out there that's you know, if not similar, like in that vein. Now, mm-hmm. it may be new and novel, but then that puts you oftentimes in the tech space, right? Where it's like you've got mm-hmm. some new technology that you're not always, but you know, some new technology sure. that you're leveraging. And that should also be an indicator to you that mm-hmm. this is, uh, there's some really great opportunity. And if you can be the first mover on this thing, yes. That is mm-hmm. a fantastic place to be, but know that if that technology, what are the what are the threats? Do that SWOT analysis. I talk about SWOT analysis all the time. SWOT mm-hmm. analyses all the time. <laughs> you know, what are your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats? Right. So 
strength, first to first to market, first mover, new tech, great. Weaknesses, uh, you're new. Maybe you don't have funding. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't have enough yep. resources, whatever. Opportunities uh, abound. Nobody else is doing this and all that, but you got to exactly. know what the size of your market is. Are you niche? Are you, you know, is this mm-hmm. something that if, if you were to put this thing up on Amazon, is it going to appeal to the masses or is it only going to appeal to a small caveat of a small, you know, so like we think about 3D printing as a niche and then think about of the 3D printing community, look at that Venn diagram, how many are into cosplay, yep. how many are into um, model, you know, mm-hmm. um, miniatures yeah you know whatever miniatures, so there's niche building. and niche yeah, whatever and niche, it might be right mm-hmm. and so you're going to get more motion probably the more niche you get if you're a part of a community and you identify a need inside of there that's great but your mm-hmm. your weakness is that you don't have you don't have that massive reach the more reach you tend to have the more competition also exists right so this it's always a yep. balance and then threats yep. abound <laughs> threats mm-hmm. abound right so that yep. this may lose popularity like for us like at some point, uh, filament may not be spooled anymore, and so Repbox will ultimately hit a decline if pelletized 3D printing takes off or new resin tech mm-hmm. or metals or whatever, right? And so we, yep. we're aware of that and we're prepared for it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you don't ever know exactly where you are on that indicator line, though, on the dip and stuff, but... <clears throat> the longer you've been in it, the more sales tend. Like I can, I can. It's all about filtering out that noise, right? Yep. So if I've got three years, four years of sales data, and I can, I can do my year and year over analysis and look at that trend, I can tell pretty readily if I'm in a in a hump or if I'm seeing massive mm-hmm. decline from something, and then I start digging deeper, right? Yep. So it's all about getting to maturity so that you can get that data guys so that you can understand the problem and you can use business intelligence yep. tools to its strength but yep the road is perilous and it takes time it takes time long time yeah. long time <laughs> wow uh okay so we covered a lot of ground we covered a lot of ground um you know, are we at maturity? I mean, like we said, depends on where you're at. Like if you survive all of these little, you know, yep. startup and growth and, uh, you know, going through, we've talked about the the value of uh, continual improvement kind of can um, retard that, that dip effect, mm-hmm. that decline effect, right? So some strategies to mitigate that is versioning, right? Releasing yep. new product that allows you to, take advantage of, you know, maybe you can keep 80% of your parts and do some upgrades that allow you to become relevant or maintain relevance, right? Maybe it's just a matter mm-hmm. of updating your Bluetooth radio and the thing and yeah. to current standards. And now you're compatible with other stuff, right? That's, you know, don't, yep. don't have to change your case. Don't have to change your other electronics boards, whatever. Um, Absolutely. It just depends on mm-hmm. what you are, right? But that's mm-hmm. why we really love uh, like I said, leveraging these tools that allow us to do continuous appro- improvement because it mm-hmm. allows us to s- maintain relevancy for longer. And the more you do it, the more you will start to realize what other opportunities are out there. You might start to decide, yeah, this product doesn't really have that many legs, but you're going to get a lot of ideas about what might, right? What you might pivot to. Exactly. And we're mm-hmm. always, as that's one of the hallmarks of being an entrepreneur. You're always on the lookout for, you know, what the, be- what the opportunity costs are. Would I be better mm-hmm. off sundowning this and developing this, right? No shortage mm-hmm. of opportunity, guys. If you are in it, you know, so th- that's, there's a lot of positive here. I don't want to be doom and gloom. 
mm-hmm. but sometimes it takes making some hard decisions, right? Sometimes you, you know, it's, it's hard to sundown your first product potentially. Like it will feel mm-hmm. like the end of an era at times, but hopefully by the time that happens, you've got five other things that, you know, and you're just that much stronger. Um, absolutely. So, yeah. Does that, does that wrap it all up in a nice, but we could, I like think said, so. Always. I t- think so. No, I think it's great. <laughs> you did an awesome job. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I think, I think, uh, this is probably a good place to call it. We did a solid 60 here. Uh, yeah. We still have a lot of prep work and stuff to do for Earth. For those of you that are in the oh. chat that are going to be at the East Coast Rep Rap Festival in Bel Air, Maryland next weekend, mm-hmm. shout out to you guys. If you're thinking about it, go. It is awesome. There are going to be a lot of amazing people there. Come meet mm-hmm. us and plenty of other uh, individuals. Uh, we look forward to seeing you at that. Yes. And uh, if not, like I said, we'll be recording live from there. It will be streamed uh on the earth, I believe on the earth mm-hmm. YouTube channel, but don't quote yeah, me on that. That sounds right. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we will also hopefully capture the recording and post to the podcast and stuff as normal. So there'll be a slight delay to our thing. We will not be live on our channel on Friday because we're going to record next Sunday live from earth with uncle Jesse for real, AKA Clayton Parker. I'll bet you didn't know his last name was Parker. Did you? You did, <laughs> but I don't know. Everybody else didn't know. Uh, looking forward to seeing you all. Uh, thank you for joining us as always. Uh, and as uh, Never Let the Machines Win says in the chat, uh, please like, subscribe, share the word, help us out. Uh, we really, really appreciate that. And we love you all. And we will catch you on the next episode of Maker That Money with Pooch and Andrew. Until then, have a great weekend, everybody. See ya. We'll see you soon. <laughs>